And so if you have your Bibles, let's open them, please, to the book of James. The book of James, James chapter number 4. James chapter number 4. I want to see this. If you're visiting today, uh, welcome to our church. Uh, uh, we're just a family, and, and uh, we just love having guests that are here. James chapter number 4, and we'll give a little of the background to this in a moment. But I'll read out loud if you could read uh, along with us and just follow along in God's Word, James chapter 4. And if you have a cell phone, if you'd be so kind to put it in your pocket or your purse, um, maybe so you're not tempted to look on it, and that'll be a help as well. James chapter 4, and the question is asked, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts? And the word lust means desires that war in your members. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. I want to define a couple of words there. I want to speak on this subject for a few moments. Stopping the war. Stopping the war. Turn on the news, any station, any time, just about all we're hearing about are the different wars that are taking place right now. Whether it's China, who's trying to learn our secrets to get at us, or it's North Korea, or it's Russia, or it's the war in the Ukraine, or it's the war in the Middle East, which now is on several fronts. It's Syria against Israel. It's uh, uh, Hamas against Israel. It's Lebanon against Israel. And now we're out there in the Middle East, so uh, we don't know who. Uh, well, I think I know who is against us. Uh, half the world <clears throat> is against America. But that's not the only wars going on. There's wars inside of the hearts of people. There's wars in marriages. Wars of words. Wars of violence. There's wars in the home. All you have to do is turn on any, any item on television. Here's two coaches going to shake hands at the end of the game and a fight almost broke out yesterday. Because he couldn't shake hands peaceably with the winning coach. There's wars in the NBA. They probably don't pay them enough money. That's why they fight. If they just paid them a billion dollars a game, maybe they wouldn't choke each other during the game and be kicked out for five uh, games. But everywhere, a, a fan killed in the stands... Someone said there were eight fights at the Coliseum in Las Vegas where the Raiders played. There were eight fights broke out before they found out it was an away game. <laughs> but it just seems like there's wars everywhere. Where do these wars come from? They come from inside. It first starts off, there's a war inside of somebody and then it gets seen on a bigger scale. The book of James talks much about this. 
The theme of James is how to be a mature Christian. We're not going to teach the whole thing, but just in highlights. In chapter 1, it says a mature Christian resists temptation. Then the rest of the chapter 1 says a mature Christian doesn't quit. They finish. They endure. They go through hard times. Chapter 2 says a mature Christian does not treat rich people better than poor people. There's respect for all classes of people. Chapter 3 says a mature uh, Christian controls his tongue. I guess there's no mature Christians on planet earth. It's hard, isn't it? Uh, controls his tongue. Now, chapter 4 deals with why are there wars? A mature Christian is at peace with God, with himself, and with others. That's the goal. Jesus was called during his lifetime a glutton, a devil, illegitimate, a blasphemer, and he just kept serving God. Everything said negative about Jesus was false, yet he opened not his mouth. He never had ongoing issues with his mother, with his stepdad, with siblings, with the government, with friends. With anybody else, it seemed like Jesus was always walking in the eye of the storm. And that's what we had in Louisiana hurricanes. The eye of the storm, no wind. Wind was everywhere, but the eye was peaceful. That's where Jesus always walked. He said, Pastor, why do we have these storms? Why do we say things that we want to take back? Uh, why do we post things and text things and then later on we say, man, was I stupid and man, I was just angry and, and, and I was so mad. And, and, and why do we have such short fuses where someone can say one statement to you and you're ready to run them off the road, uh, 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 kill them, uh, 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 ram their car? Uh, where do these things come from? I got honked at myself this week and I was in a parking lot. <laughs> Just, and, and someone thought I was going to pull in front of them. And, and, and they would, there would be two seconds later. Bah! You know, I love that law in Napa. Thou shalt not carry hand grenades in your car. Because <laughs> my old flesh, it would be like this. <laughs> Here, give you something to honk about. There you go. And uh, where do these wars come from? Want to cover this. If you'll look in James 4 here, we've only got just so many minutes. Let me explain a key word. Here it is. James 4. Whence come fightings and wars among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts. That word means desires. There's something you want. And that person is not giving it to you. There's something I want from my mate and they just won't give me what I'm wanting. I go to work and the people at work just won't get me what I'm desiring. I mean, I desire certain treatment. I desire certain words and uh, certain promotions. And I desire this honor. I've got some desires and they won't meet those desires. And there's war. But notice the key word. It says, it says, verse 2, you lust and have not killed, you desire to have, you just can't quite obtain. You fight in war. Here it is. 
Yet ye have not, because ye ask not. And the word ask there is the same word as prayer. Pray. The word pray means ask. So right here in James, James is saying this. Here it is. The reason we have war with people, we can't get along with someone, and it's ongoing, and we never have anything good to say, and we're upset all the time, and a sharp fuse, and and unresolved marriage tension, and tension with a relative. Hey, we're going into Thanksgiving. Some of you are going to have relatives over your house you hadn't spoken to in 20 years. (laughs) What are you going to do? I'm just going in another room. Is that a way to live? You're going to let them get you. You got to, you got to win that thing. And, he, and so James says, there's these wars. He said, now here's why. Because you're not praying. Amen. You have not, you can't get what you want because you're asking not. That word is pray. He's saying, it's a lack of prayer. And that's why we have the wars. You see Jesus rising up a great while before day, went into a solitary place and there prayed. Every time you turn around, Jesus is praying. He's bringing his disciples on top of a mountaintop. He says, man, let's pray together. Garden of Gethsemane, let's pray. On the cross, he is praying. He's constantly praying. You cannot spend time with the Prince of Peace and be at war with everybody else. So, Quickly, I just want to just, just kind of give you a list here. God gives us specific things to pray about. He doesn't just say, I hope you spend a little time with me. He says, here's some things I want you to talk to me about. And he gives us a list. Maybe if we included all those things, there'd be some peace. We have all this Christmas, uh, these Christmas cards, peace. The peace, some peace, but there's so little of it. Am I barking up the wrong tree today? Was I supposed to preach on Thanksgiving? That's Wednesday night. We're talking about why you're so mean. That's what I'm talking about today. (laughs) Heard about somebody, they were out witnessing, and they knocked on a door, and they had a little gospel track. They said, we're inviting people to church. And they said, go to blank, and they slammed the door. Well, the person, not being real smart, went around and he thought the back door was another apartment. So he knocked on the back door and that same person opened the door and he looked, he said, I hope you're not near as mean as that person at the front door. (laughs) I want to give them to you. Here we go. Number one, praise. Spend some time every day in praise. Praise means brag. When my wife makes a meal... Every couple of years, she, uh, boy, I'm in hot water now, huh? See, I can say it. I'm up here. I can make it to that door in three seconds. Anyway, I don't say, praise my wife, praise her cook. I don't raise my hands. I don't even say the word praise. Praise means brag on. Hallowed be thy name. I'm supposed to spend some time daily bragging on our great God. Hey, Lord, you made it rain. Woohoo! Hey, look at that beautiful sky. You did that. Look at the moon and the stars. Wow, what an awesome God I have. Hey, I got a book that's inspired, that's eternal, that has no errors. 
The Holy Ghost lives inside of me. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. I've got a lot to brag on God about. I've got eyes that see and ears that hear. I've got a, 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 a feet that walk and I've got a voice that still works. I've got a lot. I've got friends. I've got a church. I got... We have a lot to praise God about. That is something God likes. Wives, brag on your husband. See if he likes it. Nah, stop bragging on me so much. I hate that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You were so handsome. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Are you working out at night? And I don't know. Look at those arms. Look at that bicep. And she's looking for the bicep. Where, where, where is it? Praise. Be specific when you praise the Lord. Not just you are great. Tell him how he's great. Tell him what he's done. Tell him what he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do one day. Brag on it. It ought to be God loves people in Napa because he says, they sure notice what I do. They brag on me. Number two, forgiveness. Somehow when we spend time with God, we need to be asking him for forgiveness. You say, for what? That's the problem. You look at the book of Daniel, one of the greatest men that ever lived in the Old Testament. Two chapters, he's confessing his sins. God is inspiring the Bible, giving him parts of the Bible to write, and he is on his knees confessing his sins. If Daniel has sins to confess, I guarantee you, you and I have sins to confess. Well, pastor, I don't sin. How about cheating? How about cussing? How about lusting? How about coveting? How about gossiping about people? How about stretching the truth? How about uh, uh, cheating at work? How about borrowing things permanently from the job that you mean to bring home a thousand years from now? Recently, we were having trouble getting air in the auditorium. And one of the HVAC men in the church said, Pastor, let me check the filters. Pretty soon he walked out. He said, here they are. They're all clogged up. They're all clogged up, chained. They were changed in 1903 or whenever it was. You know, with the Lord, sin clogs the filters. And pretty soon you can't breathe. And pretty soon the Christian life is not a joy anymore. We've got to confess our sins. You say, well, how do you know what to confess? Ask him. If you're married and your mate doesn't speak to you, there's something wrong. And if you ask them, they'll probably tell you what's wrong. It was Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher in London, England. One day he was walking across the street. And he stopped right in the middle of the street and knelt. I don't encourage you to do that on I-80. <laughs> he knelt, took his hat off and prayed for a while. Got up, walked across the street. Someone said, Mr. Spurgeon, what were you doing? He said, I sensed a cloud came between me and my Savior. And I wasn't going to cross to the other side before it was removed. We sing that old gospel song, nothing between my soul and the Savior. Nothing between. God doesn't want anything between us. The world, a person, an activity, a sin, a pleasure. He wants to be first and nothing between us. I probably shouldn't tell this story about it. A lot of things I say I probably shouldn't say anyway. Years ago, I got to go on an alligator hunt in Louisiana. Alligators are dangerous. 
So I got this alligator and I was going to stuff the hide or tan the hide, put it in my office and in the tannery stole my hide. Never couldn't get in touch with them, never could get it back. So I said, if I ever get another alligator, I'm keeping it with me on the plane. <laughs> so I didn't mean to hurt him. I shot at the gator and he ran, he swam real fast right in front of the bullet and the Lord took him home. We skinned him out, the meat to eat the meat. The hide is wet on a gator, 200 pound gator. The hide is about 80 pounds. So I've got that gator all folded up, that hide. It's got those sharp, um, not fins, but scales on the top. We wrapped it in a plastic bag. My dad helped me put it in a duffel bag. I said, I'll do it as a carry-on. No one said you couldn't bring an alligator hide on the plane. And so 80 pounds. And so I'm carrying that thing. and I'm waiting to get on the plane. I set it down. And soon I look down and there's a pool of blood <laughs> around the duffel bag. Somehow all the blood in the washed out hide had kind of coagulated and come to a certain area and those fins had cut, cut the plastic. Now there's blood dripping on the carpet. I've been found out. I quickly pick it up and I'm sure someone's going to clean it up. And... I get on the plane. Now I'm going to put it in the overhead. And I'm just thinking any minute it's going to start dripping on somebody. Put it in the trunk. Brought it home. My mom said, no, don't you get anything stinky in my car. Don't you do it. Don't. Mom, I mean, I mean, what would smell? That blood got in my mom's trunk. It got all over that little cloth that's in the trunk. She never let me. She didn't stop talking about it till she went to heaven three months ago. What I found out, sin, you can't hide it. He sees it and you know it. If we're going to end the war, what do we do? Praise. Quickly, forgiveness. Three, pray for your enemies. Matthew 5, Jesus said, pray for them, not him. He says them, that's plural. God figures you're going to have some enemies. You're going to make someone mad. Someone said, if you don't want enemies, don't be anything, don't do anything, don't say anything, and you won't have any enemies. Because someone's going to be jealous of you. Someone's not going to like how you look. Someone's not going to like your race. Someone's not going to like the stuff you have. They're not going to like your honor. They're not going to like how smart you are. Someone's not going to like you. Jesus said, pray for them. I've prayed for my enemies. Lord, open the earth. Let the, no, no, no. See, here's what happens. When someone gives you a hard time, when you pray for them, that hatred and anger turns to pity. And then that pity may turn to like. And that like could turn to love. He says, pray for your enemies. Do good to them that hate you and despitefully use you and persecute you. What's that mean? That's probably the hardest command in the Bible. Speak well of them. That's kind of advanced Christianity, isn't it? God says, you want to stop the war inside? Start praying for those who have given you a hard time in your life. I don't have time to give the story of the 
The man went through a divorce in our church. Well, I mean, it didn't happen right here, the divorce, but he attended our church. She kept taking more and more money. They kept raising the child support. He's working two full-time jobs just to pay for her new life and his old life. He had had it up to here. He saw her, saw her new husband, grabbed a rifle, followed him home, took the rifle out, knelt behind his car, put that dot on him, pulled the trigger. And nothing happened. First time ever the rifle did not fire. He has no idea how. He comes to my office and said, Pastor, guess what I just did? I said, you idiot! What do you think I... You'll never see your kids again. You'll be in jail the rest of your life. What are you thinking? You're eat up with bitterness. He said, you and that new wife of yours, y'all need to start praying for your enemy. Wasn't long before they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. He said, my wife wants to go to the house and tell his new wife how to get saved. I'm up in that water right there. What's different? And I think we've changed it since then. But years ago, guess who I'm baptizing? The one that had that dot on their head with the rifle. Who got saved that week and accepted Christ. Because someone spent some time with the Lord praying for an enemy and the war stopped. It stopped. How do we stop the war? Quickly, ask God for wisdom. When we pray, he says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask a God. Sometimes we're going through situations and you say, I don't know what to do. Ask God. He knows what to do. He may remind you of a scripture. He may show you a scripture. Ask him for wisdom. What is my next step? I don't get it. Help me. Number next, quickly. You say, Pastor, is this just a prayer list? It's things to include as you spend time with God every day. Quickly, your needs. He says, ask for daily bread. That means what you need. What are you needing daily? Ask him for that. You say, Pastor, what are our needs? Salvation is the number one need. If you're here today and you don't know you're going to heaven, your number one need is not housing. It's not a job. It's not food. It's not Social Security. Uh, It's not a a, a retirement plan. Your number one need is forgiveness by Jesus Christ that died for you and rose again. That's the number one need. What do you need? You need a Bible. You need a preacher. You need a friend. You need a church. Sometimes you need a valley. We look at a valley and a hard time and say, why is this? God says, oh, you needed that. Sometimes valleys knit hearts. Valleys humble Valleys get our attention like no mountaintop can. Pray for your needs quickly. Pray for the needs of others. Anytime you pray for other people, it gets your mind off of you. The selfies, needs of others, gets our mind off of ourselves. Number next, who are we to pray for? The lost. Paul said this, my prayer to God is that Israel 
might be saved. Do you know anyone that's a non-Christian? Are all your relatives saved? Are all your relatives going to heaven? Are all your neighbors saved? Are all the employees that work with you, are they all saved and going to heaven? If not, we got a lot of praying to do. I probably pray for 16 neighbors every day. I call their names out in prayer. I want them saved. I met some people when we were in Israel in January. I call those two names in prayer every morning. I'd like them to get saved. What else are we to pray for quickly? The lost. Next, laborers. That's a command. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. He'll send forth laborers into his harvest. Pastor, we need more bus drivers at the church. Pray for them. We need some more Sunday school teachers. Pray for them. We need laborers. Not only that, the sick. He says, in the prayer of faith, shall save the sick. By the way, I'm glad Brother Schulte's back this morning. His brother Schulte had surgery and they took off part of two feet. He's a military vet. Been in that uh, hospital and then been in that uh, home for a couple weeks and they gave him a pass and he escaped this morning. I asked him, I said, did you dig a tunnel with a spoon or did you go out the window? So he's here today. You know why I believe? Because some people have been praying for him. People have been praying for him. Here's a Jerome Serrano in the hospital. Burned 75% of his body. How much would you want people praying for your dad? Or your brother? And so Jesus says, pray for others. Jesus looked at Simon Peter, and he says, the devil hath desired. He says, but I have prayed for thee. Prayer's powerful. It helps them. It helps you. Okay, let's find out. How many parents have ever said these words to your kids or to some kids you were helping raise? Who you been hanging around? Why? Because people rub off. You hang around him, someone's going to say, who you been hanging around? Father, Son, or Holy Ghost? All three. Quickly, we have to hurry. Pastor, you just keep saying that quickly, quickly. We're almost done. You're a liar. Okay, pray for me. (laughs) Number next, your children. Your children. Job chapter 1, and I love it. Greatest Christian in the world had these 10 kids, and it said he prayed for them. Parents, If you're not praying daily for the needs of your kids, who is? Who's praying for your kids? And what are you praying for for the kids? God bless them. Is that it? Help their attitude. Help them get the right mate. Help them know what kind of job to have. Keep them from evil. Lord, help them not mess their life up. Help me to have their heart strength. I mean, all these these specifics. Praying for the kids. Here's another one, authorities. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. Paul says, first of all, pray for kings and all those in authority. You want to have, that we may live, live, a, live a peaceable life. You want to stop the war? Pray for people that are over you. So in my office this morning, probably 7 o'clock, guess who I'm praying for? Our president. He's still my president because I live here. Did I vote for him? Nope. 
If you want to find out who's not going to win office, find out who the pastor's voting for. <laughs> Hardly any of my people ever get in, whoever I vote for. Because I'm way over here, and almost everyone running is way over here. I prayed for our ex-presidents. I prayed for our vice president this morning. Prayed for our governor this morning. See, you can curse them. You can badmouth them. You can talk about them all you want. But guess what God says? Pray for them. Pray for them. God can turn their heart. God can make uh, wicked leaders miserable until they get saved or they get right. God saved and changed Nebuchadnezzar. He could change any leader. So next time someone badmouths a political leader, just ask them, did you pray for them today? All right, shut up. Okay. You say, that's rude, saying shut up. Say, shuttest thou mouth. And that makes it scriptural. Authorities, quickly, I'm just about out of time. Cares. He says, casting all your cares upon him. Okay, you help me. A little, uh, little dis- not a discussion. What are some things, some cares or worries? You think that a lot of people, either in our church or the nation, would worry about right now? What are some worries? Anybody want to help me? Education? What? What's that? Money? Water? Health? Hunger? Health care? What are some of the worries? Are we going to get nuked by the 20 nations that hate our guts? What's? We have a lot of cares. Am I ever going to marry? Am I going to finish college? Are my parents going to live? Will my loved one get, uh, ever get out of the hospital? We have all these worries, fears. And God says, casting all your cares upon me, for I care for you. You have someone that loves you and cares for you, and God is bribing us to spend time with him. He says, you're tired of the wars? Spend some time with me. I'll give you a whole list of things to talk to me about. If you'll spend time with me, those wars will settle down. You'll be at peace with yourself and peace with others. I'm done with this. Here it is. Bible's closed. Notes are here. My dad was not home a whole lot growing up, in and out, chasing money. So I felt very awkward being around my dad. I remember one time in particular, he had just come home from a business trip. He walked in the room. So I did what I usually did. I got up and I started to leave. Say, how come? I wasn't trying to be rude. I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't have anything to talk to him about. When I started to leave, he said, hey, uh, son, do you mind just staying in the room just a little while and could you just kind of stay in the room? Then he did this. I'll never forget it. It was so sad. He said, he said, I'll give you a dollar if you'll just stay in the room and talk to me. I felt sad for him that that's all he had. Not the dollar. <laughs> Is that all you got? hundred bucks, I'll be here an hour. 
But he felt like that's all he could buy my time with was money. Because there was no relationship there. You know, we've got a God up in heaven, capital G. Would you stay in the room with me? Would you just talk to me a while? I'll stop the war inside of you. I'll help you get along with yourself. I'll help you in the war at your house. I'll help you in the war with other people. And I'll start the conversation if you'll just hang out with me. That's what our God does. One last story. I'm sorry. Just... As I think of this, this man, very angry, drop of a hat. He was a scrapper, a fighter, a brawler. Very angry. Never saw him fight, but I could imagine him fighting. When I first met him, he had fire coming out of his eyes. You can, you can just... Kind of look at some people and they're angry. Had a lot of hurt. A lot of disappointment. He had a lot of desires that just were all unfulfilled. The man got saved. He got baptized. Started coming to church and I watched that fire leave his eyes. That fuse that was so short, it, it, it just grew longer. I was asked to write a letter to his probation officer recommending they release him from proba- uh, probation. Kind of what I said was, Dear Judge, when I first met this young man, fire was coming out of his eyes. He was so angry and had such a short fuse. The anger's gone. The fuse is long. God has done a miracle in his life. I think he'll be fine. God wants to do that for all of us. Is there a war going on? Young person, is there a war going on no one knows about? wonder where all those school shooters come from. There's a war going on. Is there a war going on between you, young person, and your parents? Hey, married couples, is there a war going on? Christian, is there a war going on? There's a way to solve that thing. The Prince of Peace. If you don't know him, today would be a great time to get to know him. He'd love to save you. He'd love to come in your heart, forgive your sins, take you to heaven one day. And if you're a Christian, all you have to do is raise the white flag and say, no more fighting, I'm done. I'm not going to fight against you, Lord. I'm going to do it your way. And that peace will come back into your heart.